Welcome to Tech Mobility Topics. It's called citrus greening, otherwise known by its name HLB or yellow dragon disease, and it's the main threat to Florida's $6.5 billion citrus industry. The plant disease arrived in the state back in 2005 and has spread to 80% of the orange grows. In 2004, the state had about 7,000 citrus growers. Now, they have about 2,000. And if the latest estimates hold, the state's current growing season will yield just 61% less fruit than last season. Due to complications from the recent hurricane, can a tree from the Far East save the farmers? This is Topic B. Now, Huolong Long Bing, known as HLB, is one of the most serious citrus plant diseases in the world. They said once a tree is infected, there is no cure. And while the disease poses no threat to humans or animals, it's devastated millions of acres of citrus crops throughout the United States and abroad. Citrus greening is spread by a disease-infected insect, I'll try to get this right, the Asian citrus psyllid, uh, and has put the future of America's citrus at risk. Here's what happens. Infected trees produce fruits that are green, misshapen, and bitter, unsuitable for sale as fresh fruit or for juice. And worse, the infected trees die within a few years. And currently, there's no cure for it. The disease is currently found in the United States in California, Florida, Georgia, Louisiana, Puerto Rico, South Carolina, Texas, and the U.S. Virgin Islands. This insect has been detected in Alabama, American Samoa, Arizona, California, Florida, Georgia, Guam, Hawaii, Louisiana, Mississippi, the Northern Mariana Islands, Puerto Rico, South Carolina, Texas, and the U.S. Virgin Islands. Uh, what should concern you is Arizona, California, Florida, Georgia, Texas. That is where most of your fruit comes from in the United States, particularly your citrus. The challenge is that as bad as that sounds, ironically, it may be another plant found in the Far East that may actually save these growers. Now, it's not going to save the citrus crop, but it may save their economies. And here's the interesting thing about it. The plant they're turning to might actually go a long ways towards reducing the impact of climate change. It's almost the perfect plant for what they need. It's called a pogamia tree. Pogamia tree. Let me introduce you to the pogamia tree. And let me find this because I want to explain it to you. It's almost too good to be true, honestly. It really, really is. And... Let's see here as I ruffle my papers because I've got it. All right. In plain sight. Right now, the pagamia tree is, is grown in, and it's not actually cultivated. It happens in the Far East, and it's a compelling option because it's extremely hardy and can thrive in a, re in a range of harsh environmental conditions, including extreme heat, and dryness, waterlogging, salinity, and even chemical contamination. Think about that for a minute. In addition to all of that, they are looking at this plant because it produces a, uh, I guess, pods that can be pressed for uh, high, its seeds 
can give a significant, it can be a significant potential as a source, can you believe this, biofuel, including a renewable bio-based jet fuel that is clean burning, non-corrosive, and has no sulfur emissions. And because it can be grown on land that has little agricultural potential, the use of the pagamia for this purpose, this tree, avoids the common critique leveraged at many biofuel crops like corn, that they take up valuable fertile soil spaces that can other be wise used for growing food. Imagine this, and it pulls carbon out of the air. I'm going to let that settle for a minute because we're dealing with climate change and the impact of carbon dioxide. And it pulls so much carbon out of the air that carbon credits could be another promising possibility for uh, Pogamia plantations. At this particular global moment, you can imagine the carbon sequestration and crediting demand is huge. If these Florida farmers turn from citrus, which a lot of them are, to groves of the pogamia tree, it actually will benefit the environment. It will use less water than the citrus are growing. It's a hardy plant that can take a lot of abuse and still generate a lot of things and Right now, the seeds can be used not only for biofuel, but as a protein-rich substitute for soybeans. This plant is almost as if somebody invented it to solve the problem. It is, it's just amazing what this plant will do. And they've known about this plant in the Far East, in Indonesia, for years. This is not new. That is the really, really cool thing about the pagomia tree. They call it a protein-rich, hardy alternative. You know, uh, they said in India, Australia, parts of Southeast Asia, the pagamia grows wild as it bears bean-like pods that in India are crushed and used for lamp oil. There's a company called Treviva, and it hopes to corner the tree's American market. Their plan, use it for biofuel production, fertilizer feedstock, and a more sustainable alternative to soybeans for protein. You don't need fertile land to grow this stuff. In fact, the worse the land, the more the tree likes it. In, in Indonesia, they noticed that planting this tree in some of the most harshest soil, including soil that had been worked over in like mines and all the tailings, the heavy metals, the tree thrived where nothing else will grow. This thing grows and it has all these benefits. Florida is looking at it because their citrus industry is in decline, whether they like it or not. Now, trying to deal with HLB has made them more efficient in their approach to citrus, how they water, the level of moisture, all of that. So they've gotten better at it, but they have not yet found a way to stop this. And they may. But the reason why I bring this out is that this tree grown in mass at quantity may become one part of our sustainable fuels infrastructure, renewable and sustainable, and there's no downside. You can grow this thing anywhere. I wonder how it does in extremely cold climates. I'm thinking, you know, I don't know. You know, land that nobody else could farm. In fact, it grows in rocky soil. Soil is not fertile at all. And it thrives. 
They call it, again, a protein-rich, hearty alternative. I can't even imagine. I can tell you this. If this thing even gets any traction in Florida, I think soybean farmers in the Midwest might have some issues, particularly if it could be supplanted for soybeans and be actually more dense, more rich, and require less inputs, meaning it's cheaper to maintain, cheaper to grow, and cheaper to harvest which means they can sell it at a lower price point than soybeans, which requires all the stuff that it requires up here in the upper Midwest. Land formerly used for mining in Indonesia, in de what they're calling degraded areas. Rocky area with very poor soil and hardly any topsoil, and it was growing everywhere. They call it a quick-growing, nitrogen-fixing, wide-canopy tree that is native across Asia and the Pacific and traditionally used for all kinds of things. We are the Tech Mobility Show. Did you know that you could still listen to past shows of Roadworthy Drive? Ken Chester here. With the change to the Tech Mobility Show, we've taken steps to maintain our vast library of past shows for your listening pleasure. Whether you want to listen to 1, 10, or 50 of our 1,000 shows, we got you covered. Be sure to visit roadworthydrive.buzzsprout.com or roadworthydrivemoment.buzzsprout.com and subscribe. There's no recurring commitment and you can opt out at any time. We set the price super low so that access to the shows is easy and carefree. Thank you so much for your support. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. Roadworthy Drive is now the Tech Mobility Show. I'm Ken Chester, your host. Every week, I delve into the current trends and topics that impact you when it comes to mobility and technology. Things are changing fast, and I cover these topics in a way that's easy to understand. By tuning into the Tech Mobility Show, you can keep informed about the latest happenings with self-driving vehicles, auto finance, electric airplanes, and more. That's the Tech Mobility Show, heard each week on this very fine radio station. These days, everybody wants to be social, and we're no exception. Hi, I'm Ken Chester, host of the Tech Mobility Show. We get to share additional content that you won't find on the show. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and even TikTok. Yeah, we're there. You can find us at Tech Mobility Pod on Twitter and at the Tech Mobility Show everywhere else. Check us out. Be sure to follow us. Believe it or not, the Tech Mobility Show has a website. Yep. Combined with all the other ways you can interact with us, our website is a great place to start. Learn more about the host, find us in the news, and even check out where you can hear our programs across the country on the radio. I know, right? Our website is a great place to learn more about us and our programming. Go to techmobility.show for more information. 